So over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through these uh, common phrases that have just found their way into the Christian vernacular and the Christian community that sound Christian, sound biblical, sound like they're from Jesus and God, but we're kind of starting to discover, yeah, maybe not so much. Maybe they're a little bit of a twist uh, from Scripture. And today, we have another one of those uh, things right before us, uh, not so much a phrase, but rather a passage from God that is really popular very widely popular. Uh, The passage, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Go ahead and look at it in your worship folders if you'd like. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And if you are, have been a Christian for really any time at all, you've probably heard these words. I would almost be willing to bet some money on it that if you go into a Christian bookstore today, you will find this verse either plastered somewhere on the walls uh, there or in some sort of wall art or plaque for you to hang up on your wall. You'll see it on the digital walls of Instagram and social media dressed up in some sort of flowery way, followed by a bunch of thumbs up, heart-like emojis and emotes and the like. Um, my guess is that you've seen this passage uh, used on coffee mugs, at coffee shops, on t-shirts all over the place. This passage has been called actually America's Bible verse. Because when you look at it, it sounds not unlike the American dream. The idea that God is going to bless you, God is going to prosper you, God is going to give you success and a great future. Does that not sound like God bless America right there, right? In fact, uh, I've, you probably heard this passage uh, used at Christian graduation services, at Christian school graduation services. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes with the context that, like, you have accomplished so much and you are on the precipice of the next step of your life and God is going to accomplish so much through you and he's going to do so much for you and through you and in you and you can go out there and change the world because God has great plans for you. And, and you might be thinking, so pastor, what's wrong with this passage, though? Because this is, this is not some twist. This is not some misquote. This is God. This is, this is his own words in Jeremiah 20.11. What's the issue? And my issue is not, of course, with the words themselves. My issue is with the context. The context of how we intend this phrase so often to be used versus the context of how God originally said this phrase. And when you look at the context, it starts to become really clear that so many times we intend this phrase to say something that God and Jeremiah never actually intended it to mean. Now, let me be clear. I'm not trying to condemn anyone. (laughs) Like, if... I get, I get confirmation students uh, quite often who are like, I want to do Jeremiah 29, verse 11, and we talk about it. <laughs> um, and it's okay if that was your confirmation passage. It's okay if you have t-shirts. I'm not saying burn your t-shirts, throw away your coffee mugs, delete your posts on social media. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I am trying to say is that when you see the context, you'll probably see a greater truth. What I'm trying to say is that if If you are someone that your biggest problem in life right now is whether or not the 4th of July weather next weekend or the weather for your vacation is going to cooperate, this passage is not for you. If you are healthy, 
and you're surrounded with loved ones and friends and family, family and have a, a pretty good life right now, enjoying blessings upon blessings from God, that's great. And there's other passages for you, but not this one. Now, on the flip of that, if, uh, if you're in a particularly difficult, hard season of life, that maybe you're, you're forced to move back in with mom and dad because it pains you to admit it, and you probably would not admit it, but stubbornly inside your heart you would have to say, yeah, it's because I made some bad choices. I was undisciplined with my finances. I, I didn't make the right choices, and now I, I'm either homeless or stuck with mom and dad. If that's you, this passage we can talk about. If you're looking at your life and maybe you, you lost a job because you lost your temper. You lost the spouse, the friend, the relationship because you, you let your mouth just go. You either spoke, you wrote, or you said the thing out of hate and anger and bitterness and now you, you, you can't sleep because you just wish you could just take it back and just put those words back inside, but you can't. We can talk about this passage. Like if, you, if you think that sometimes maybe it just feels hopeless, that there is a tunnel and there is no light. It's, it's just a tunnel that I'm going down. Then God has some really great words for you. Because when you see the context of these words in their original setting, then you will see a deeper truth that means more than the superficial nature that I think we typically intend these words to mean. So what exactly is that context? So what that context is, for me to uh, give you the appropriate context, I have to give you the broader context, actually, of the book of Jeremiah and how it fits into the Old Testament. So I'm going to try to do this in two minutes. Here we go. If you go into your Old Testaments, right in the middle of your Old Testaments, there are two books, Kings and Chronicles. We split it up into four books, of course, but First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. What they chronic, essentially, is 40 kings, 40, 40-ish kings worth of history and rule and reign over Israel. And what you need to know is that of those 40 kings, most all of them were wicked, horrible, terrible kings. They let their wealth and their power go to their heads and they listened to all the number of voices from the nations around them, from the world, from everyone else, and it permeated Israel's culture and they, the leaders themselves, led Israel into idolatry, abominable practices, just things that are so wicked, so vile, and Israel went down a, a dark, dark path. Now all throughout that 40 kings worth of time, hundreds of years, God was sending prophets. And in fact, if you look at the latter part of your Old Testament, you get to names like Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, you know, and all these names that most of those prophets, most of them were prophets that God had sent during this terrible time, calling on his people to repent, to change, to come back to the Lord, to forsake the idolatry, to forsake their wicked ways, and to come back to God. And yet, time and time again, those people refused. And so God finally said, okay, have it your way. So he sends this 
nation called the Assyrians, I won't get into how despicable and horrible they were, he raised them up in world history, and they came in and took away the northern kingdom of Israel. And then sometime after that, he then raised this powerhouse nation called the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar, the world power in history at the time, and they came, marched all the way to Jerusalem, laid siege to Jerusalem, slaughtered thousands of people, and then after they took it over, they exiled thousands more from Jerusalem, 800 miles to their home in Babylon. And this is the setting of the prophet Jeremiah. Which most people, when they hear about this passage and they think, wow, it sounds so warm and fuzzy, they have no idea. (laughs) Jeremiah is not some warm and fuzzy book. In fact, it is a depressing book, probably the most depressing book in the entire Bible. His nickname is the Weeping Prophet because of the things he saw, the atrocities that he had to tell about. And God told him, this is how your ministry is going to be. Like, imagine... God speaks to you, okay, and he says, I'm going to call you to be my prophet. Wow, this sounds great. Okay, so what do you want me to say? Well, here's what's going to happen. You're going to prophesy repentance, okay, and your people are not going to want to listen. Hmm. Oh, Jeremiah, I'm not done. You're going to prophesy destruction and doom and gloom and judgment on the horizon, and they're in turn going to want to kill you, and they're going to do horrible things to you. And that's your entire career. 10, 20, 30, 40 years worth of preaching and prophesying to a stubborn, hard-hearted people who refuse to listen. Welcome to Jeremiah. (laughs) Now, in this particular context for today, as I mentioned, Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem, he conquered Jerusalem, and he exiled thousands of people to Babylon from Jerusalem. But there was a rumor floating around with those exiles. Uh, There were some fake prophets, some false speakers, who were basically saying, guys, it's okay. You know, I've heard that God is actually coming. God has not abandoned us. God loves us. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger, remember? And in fact, here's what he's going to do. Within two years' time, he's going to come And he is going to free us. He's going to wipe out Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to eliminate Babylon. And we're going to come back to Jerusalem. And we're going to be saved and spared. Because that's what our God is going to do. And Jeremiah, he hears this. And so he writes the letter. And here's the gist of what he says in the midst of this rumor. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses. And settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I've not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you 
and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Not exactly the hopes and dreams that they wanted, let alone were hearing. God basically said to his people, I know what you've heard. It's fake news. Don't listen to it. You think this is a temporary stay? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. This is your home. So make it your home. Build houses. Plant some gardens. Start farms. Because you're going to be here for a while. Uh, Take your kids and marry them off. And have kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids because you're going to be here for a long time. Seventy years, in fact. Not the two years that you were listening to. No, 70 years, which means, when you think about it, most of the people who were listening to this message would not ever see again their homeland. And God says, you did this to yourself. I said, repent. You said, make me. I said, follow my ways and you'll prosper. And you said, no, I think we know better. And, and I carried you here. Yep, I carried you here, but this is, this is you. This is your consequences. This is what happens when you don't listen, when you disobey. You have no one to blame but yourself. And I think one of the lessons that you and I can learn here today would probably just be a simple lesson that is so practical for us in our day and age Don't run from a voice just because you disagree with it. You and I are surrounded by any number of voices and messages that we can hear today. We can pick up a phone and literally find thousands of different views and opinions on something. And it's really tempting to just run after the thing that you agree with. You know, like the Jews in Jeremiah's time, maybe you're looking for some counsel, maybe you're looking for some wisdom, or maybe you're just trying to refine your faith or grow in your faith, and maybe I, myself, or someone will will say something, and maybe it's a little hard. And maybe it's going against the cultural grain, it's it's not necessarily something in line with what you want to hear. And the easy thing is to just jettison it, Pull up your phone or just go out there and find some friends or people who will agree with you. You know, maybe, maybe someone says, yeah, that's, that's actually a sin. Or, or yeah, that's, that's something that's not pleasing to God. And you think, well, that offends me. I don't like that. So I'm just going to run until I find someone who tells me what I want to hear. That's, that's what was happening in Jeremiah's day. In fact, the the chapter right before this is where he hears about these false prophets who were prophesying these rumors. And actually, all throughout the book of Jeremiah, if you were to read it, you would hear time and time again, Jeremiah coming to the leaders, coming to the officials of the people, saying, God is not pleased, and you need to repent or else calamity is going to happen. You need to change. Here's what's going to happen. This is not good. And then here come these other prophets who'd come in and say, Jeremiah said what now? (laughs) He said that God's mad. (laughs) Really? God's not mad. Look at us. We have the temple of God. We are his chosen people. We're still here. He took away the the northern Israelites, not us. We're We're the faithful chosen few. That's who we are. God's not upset with us. God is happy with us. God is okay with us. God loves us. And of those two messages, repent or continue on with the status quo, which which one would you 
want to listen to by nature? <laughs> Which one sounds more loving to you? You can find any sort of sermon, message, podcast, prophet, preacher that will tell you literally anything you want to hear. It'll tell you something that sounds so loving, it sounds so good. Oh, that's not a big deal. Love is love. You just be you. God is fine. There are a number of things that sound loving. But do you know what also is loving? Repent. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And I know that maybe doesn't make the, uh, the digital or the actual wall out in our art in our suburban homes. But I know it is loving. Because you know who said it? Jesus. And who in the world loves you more than the Son of God who came, who lived perfectly, and died, gave up his life for all your sins? There is no one who loves you more than that. So don't be fooled. You may disagree with something, a particular style, a preference, or even a message or whatever, but, but don't just run to someone who tells you exactly what you want to hear and run from the truth of God. Otherwise, you end up exactly in the place where the Jews in Jeremiah's day did. In exile. Feeling like they are in rock bottom, having no hope whatsoever. And that's where maybe even the, the bigger lesson from all of this comes into play. You've got these Jews who are beaten down, battered, bruised, demoralized, and they had it coming. God basically said, yep, you rebelled, and this is like a 70-year timeout <laughs> that I have to give you. But I disciplined those I love. Like, you notice that God didn't just say, yeah, you're in exile forever, Oh, he said, this is, this is for a time, because I love you. And if this is what it takes to have you sit down on the stairs so that you will listen to what I have to say, so that then you'll seek me, okay, so be it. But I know that that's for your good. I know that that's for your well-being. Because I have great, great plans for you. And, and now, now you're ready for verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Kind of gives that passage a whole new meaning when you really understand the context, doesn't it? You rebelled. You didn't repent. You went your own way. You scratched what your itching ears wanted to hear. And look where it got you. But I'm not giving up on you. Because I've got great plans for you. And it may seem hopeless, but I've got plans for hope and a future for you. And guys, that's what I want you to know. That's what God wants you to see from this passage, from this setting, right? Because every single one of us has stuff that, that we're going through, our own mess, our own unique stuff, and, and so many times there are things that we are partially to blame for, if not completely to blame for. And maybe, 
maybe there's someone that you know, or maybe you are the person who is just looking at your life, divorced, still thinking sometimes, like, what happened? Like, how could I have gone so wrong? What, what, what could I have done better, but, but there's nothing you can do? And God says, I have plans for you. Maybe you're looking at the, the text thread or, or thinking about the words that were shouted at one another and you're trying to get to bed and you can't, thinking about the things that you wish you could take back but you can't, but God says, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And maybe you're thinking about selfishness that plagues you, the addiction that maybe nobody else knows about that you cannot seem to shake, the issues that you have, whatever it is, God says, I have plans to give you hope and a future. You may, you may sin, but God reaches out with forgiveness, right? You may think, God is fed up with me. He is done with me. He is so angry with me, but instead, God shows you right here, no, he is so patient and compassionate with you. You may think to yourself, it is hopeless, but right here, this passage says, no, God has hope for a future. And you can know that that is absolutely true because he made good on that with those people in Jeremiah's day. Because after 70 years, God came back. And he took his people from Babylon, took them 800 miles back to their land, to the land of Canaan, to the land of Israel, and he was with them. And he stayed with them. And he blessed them. And for hundreds of years, he continued to be with them all the way until just the right time, God sent them the hope, the living hope incarnate, a new king, a Messiah king. But this was not a king like the 40 kings that they had before that. This was not someone who was tainted by worldly ways and wealth and power and his own glory. No, this was someone who was after God's glory. And he was popular for a time until people really found out what he was about and then they rejected him. Rejected him to the point where they put him on a cross and and Jesus himself, that king from the cross, says, forgive them. They don't get it. They have no idea what they're doing. And that king, that hope, gave up his life so that you could have a hope and a future, knowing that just as God raised him from the dead, whatever you're going through, he's going to raise you. That's what this passage means. It is not an American ideal quick fix for your problems. In fact, if you, if you could see the future, the immediate future that God has for you, you might shudder because like God might say, it's going to get worse <laughs> and here's what you're going to face and here's what you're going to go through. But let me tell you, even if you're looking forward to with God, is a place where good Christian people go to just get better. We teach them and we instill in them just good Christian morals and, and good behavior and we just, you know, make them more obedient people. And, and quite frankly, that is so not true. You know what this place, you know what that school is for? Telling people about the amazing plans that God has. About the hope that God wants for all his people to enjoy. So when you mess up, And when messed up people mess up, because quite frankly, that is what this place is for. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a sick. It is the, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It is the sick. That's what it's for. 
a hospital for sinners, a place for messed up people. And so when you mess up, maybe these brothers and sisters are going to be like the last ones you want to see. Don't do it. Don't run. Don't run from them. Instead, run to them. Because you know what you tell people who are so weighed down with their sin? You know what you get to tell people who just wish anything they could just take the decision they made last night or years ago back? Do you know what you tell people who feel like they are living in exile in Babylon in a dark valley and it is hopeless? Do you know what you get to tell them? You get to tell them what God told his people. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Amen.